Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting next to my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, we are already in week seven of the NFL season. That's kind of hard to believe. (laughs) But the seventh game for the Green Bay Packers will be at home at Lambeau Field Sunday, noon central time kickoff against the Oakland Raiders from the AFC West. An interesting thing here, just a few weeks ago, the Oakland Raiders, as everybody knows with the schedule, all the NFC North teams this year are playing all right. of the teams in the AFC West. A few weeks ago, the Oakland Raiders went into U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, kind of got it handed to them a little bit. And I think a lot of Packers fans saw that result and said, okay, well, when Oakland comes to Lambeau Field, that shouldn't be too much of a problem. Right. Well, the last couple of weeks, the Oakland Raiders have gone on the road to beat the Indianapolis Colts one week before the Colts went to Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs. And then prior to their bye week last week, the Raiders went over to London and beat the Chicago Bears. So suddenly this matchup looks a lot different than it did a couple, three weeks ago. And uh, this Raiders team is coming into Lambeau Field very much in the thick of the race in the AFC West. Yeah, Oakland's a problem. I mean, they really are. I mean, I think they've they've shown that... This is a young team, as John Gruden said in his conference call with Green Bay reporters. They're building what they believe is their vision for what is going to be a successful run here uh, with his stewardship again in a stec- his second stint with the organization. And there are going to be lumps. I still wonder at the end of the year if this probably ends up being like an 8-8 eight and eight type ball club because there's just weeks where they don't have it, and there's weeks when they do. But, you know, Derek Carr, I think you've seen this year he's been able to bounce back a little bit. You know, their defense is not the, the sieve that it was a year ago. They, they've had some guys that are stepping up. And then you got guys like Darren Waller, uh, who came from the practice squad of Baltimore last year. John Gruden even said they didn't really even know about this guy until they played Baltimore and saw him warming up before the game. As a converted receiver, they like what they saw. They signed him to the roster, and here he is now signing a pretty big extension with the team this past week. First and foremost, though, if you talk about any particular aspect of their offense, I really think it comes down to Josh Jacobs. This is a guy that they had to kind of project on a little bit. He was not an every down back at Alabama, but they felt like he had those tendencies. And I think when you look at their win-loss record this year, that team has gone as he has gone. And that's a guy that the Packers' run defense, while improved last week against Detroit, is really going to have to take into account. Yeah, well, you said it. Waller and Jacobs are the two guys offensively as far as those perimeter players who stand out statistically. Waller has, I believe, more than twice as many receptions as anybody else on the Raiders' roster. And then Jacobs, we got a glimpse because uh, the London game between the Raiders and the Bears was going on leading up to the Packers-Cowboys game, the 325 kickoff when we were in Dallas. So we were keeping an eye on that game when we got to AT&T Stadium that day, and Jacobs was having a pretty nice day running the ball. And then when push came to shove, after the Raiders had actually blown a 17-0 lead to Chicago, the Bears came roaring back and took the lead in the second half. The Raiders were backed up to their own three-yard line in the fourth quarter, and they went 97 yards on the Chicago Bears' defense to win that ballgame. And Josh Jacobs was a big part of it. Remind me quickly where he played in college. It's escaping me at the moment. Alabama. Okay. Um, But this is a guy that if if there's one guy that they seem to be, other than the quarterback, obviously Derek Carr, that they're building their offense around, 
it seems to be Josh Jacobs. Well, and it's not just Jacobs. It's their offensive line, too, right? I mean, Rodney Hudson was a big signing for them last year. He's a team captain, uh, a big-time center in this league. I think he's one of the best pass protectors right now, according to Pro Football Focus this season. Richie Incognito, I know he's been a lightning rod for a lot of things, but he came out of retirement again, and he's playing pretty good football at their left guard position. Now Trent Brown, who they've made a huge investment in, the biggest investment of any offensive lineman in history, he now has some off-the-field things. He's also dealing with, I believe, is a calf injury, um, so his status is not really certain. But I just think that not only it was the investment in Jacobs, it was the building of that offensive line, that restructuring of that offensive line that has allowed him to have the success. Because here's the thing, Michael, you talked about Waller having twice as many catches as anybody else. The receiver position has been a continual you know, rotation here. You have Ryan Grant now signing with the Packers. He started the season with Oakland. Yeah. Trevor Davis gets traded to Oakland from Green Bay. Now he's a starter for them. Right. Terrell Williams, who is their uh, Tyrell Williams, who's their leading receiver, might not play in this game. So uh, dealing with plantar fasciitis and, and Gruden even saying on his conference call with us that yeah, it's not really looking like it's getting much better right now. So the receiver position has sort of been you know, non-existent for them. So they've needed to get production from their tight end and they've needed their ground game to do it. And with, you know, Derek Carr pulling all the strings of this thing, it's been enough of a, you know, a success here for them to claw out some victories to be at the point and they are right now sitting at, I believe, what, two and three? Or three, three, and, three two? and two, yeah. Dyslexic, sorry. Well, no, that the other part that's interesting to me, and now we're taping this episode on Thursday morning, and Thursday evening the Kansas City Chiefs and Denver Broncos will right. play Thursday night football. The interesting thing here, the Chiefs have lost a couple games in a row after a hot start, and the Broncos are kind of picking up their game after a slow start. If Denver beats Kansas City tonight... Oakland is coming into Lambeau Field with a shot at first place, right. taking over first place through seven weeks in the AFC West. So this could be a highly motivated team. I think they'll be highly motivated regardless because they really have started to turn things around here and they're coming off their bye week to, to get some extra rest. It doesn't seem like that has helped their receiver situation, as you mentioned, with, uh, uh, with Williams still dealing with his injury. But this is this is a really this is an interesting team that I, I think they already look a lot different in mid October than they looked in September. And yeah. I think this is a team that could look very different in December uh, compared to where they are right now. What's your take on the defensive side of the ball? Because the Packers obviously played the Raiders in the preseason in Winnipeg, but both teams rested all their starters. Right. We didn't really get a look at what these clubs look like. What stands out to you on the defensive side of the ball for them? I will give you that answer. There's one more thing I just want to okay. say about the offense. Sorry, I jumped in. No, ahead no, too that's early. right. Just Alec Ingold coming back to Green Bay. Oh, Wisconsin. yes, yes, absolutely. Alec is a, a kid from town that played at Bayport, uh, football, wrestling, even baseball his, his senior year. Uh, just a remarkable talent. If you know anything about Green Bay Area, you and I talked about it a little bit during training camp. Um, there's not a whole lot of NFL prospects that come out of here. Ingold ended up going to Northern Illinois at first. He was going to be a quarterback just like he had been at Bayport. Then you get Paul Chris calling him to go over to Pittsburgh. Chris ends up going to Wisconsin, <laughs> and he takes Ingold along with him for the ride. Starts as a linebacker because he wanted to play an NFL-type position. Ends up going to the least NFL-type position and fullback. Fullback, yep. Has a great career there. 
gets John Gruden as his coach at the Senior Bowl. Gruden takes a liking to the kid. They sign him as an undrafted free agent. He makes the roster, and now he's blocking for Josh Jacobs. Yeah. And has become sort of a pretty, pretty big cog here. The thing I love more than anything about Alec, though, if you talk to him, if you listen to him, he's still very much the same kid as he was in 2014, and I have so much respect for that with all the success he's seen. You saw it on Hard Knocks. He was excited to be able to. Block I was going to say, Matthews. yeah, the whole that whole scene with Clay Matthews on on Hard Knocks during the summer. Yeah, and I, I tweeted this a, a month ago, and I, I really hope Alec doesn't lose that because he, he, he there's something to be said for an attitude like that because it reminds you of why you liked the game in the first place, why you fell in love with it, and the fact that he's able to live out his dream here. He'll be the first player in four years, uh, a Green Bay Metro player to play at Lambeau Field in a regular season, a meaningful regular season game since DePierre's Drew Nowak in September of 2015 for Seattle when he started that game at center. It's just a great story. We could talk about the defense now, but I, I just wanted to give a no. A you're quick right. Shout I, I I had uh, I had forgotten about Ingold and the fact that uh, that he'd be playing at Lambeau Field. We talked in training camp about Max Sharping from yes. Green Bay Southwest playing at Lambeau Field and practicing right across the street and all of that. Playing at Lambeau in the preseason and really kind of remarkable when you think about, as you said, the very few number of players Not many. who come out of the Green Bay metro area and go to the NFL. And now this will be the second one in the span of a few months actually uh, suiting up to play at Lambeau. Really incredibly special. He mentioned he had a ton of ticket requests for this game. Unfortunately, as you know, when you're a road team, you don't get as many ticket allocations. So he has about 20 really close family that are coming. Okay. And then there's just going to be a lot of friends and former coaches sort of dispersed throughout the stadium also there cheering him on. So a really great story in Alec Ingold. And, and certainly as he tries to push forward here in an NFL career, you you wish the best for him because it's uh, – it's pretty special when an area kid like that who grew up a Packers fan, he's been to 30, 40 games, he estimated, to be able to uh, now get a chance to play at Lambeau Field a second time after he played in that LSU game uh, you know, a few years That's ago. That's right, LSU against Wisconsin in 2016 to uh, right. open that season, which turned out to be a great victory for the Badgers and a great season for the Badgers overall. So, okay, I'm glad you remembered that I got because that out of the I way. didn't. Um, but uh, Oakland's defense... What stands out to you? Because to me, you're not looking at big-name guys or guys that people are talking about in terms of going to the Pro Bowl or you know necessarily anything like that. But these last couple of weeks against or before their bye week against Indy and against Chicago, this is a defense that's played some pretty good football. Collectively, yes. Other than that, it's not going to jump out at you much. Yeah. They only have nine sacks as a team. Uh, a defensive lineman by the name of Benson Mayoa has their leading sacks right now at four and a half. He's sort of been a journeyman, um, you know, been a contributor in the NFL. I think this is his fifth or sixth NFL season, but not, you know, a, a you know a guy that's going to jump off the page to you. They made a big investment this year. Uh, you know, Cleveland Farrell was a guy that you and I had talked to at the combine. Uh, I think a lot of people were surprised they ended up going with him as early as they did, but they f- certainly feel. Good about his development and where one of one of many him. high picks off of that Clemson defense yes. from a year ago. But right now, only ten tackles, one sack for him. Arden Key's a guy I liked as well coming out of LSU. LSU, but yeah. He's been really quiet here so far this season. And really, realistically, their biggest name, Vontez Burfick, now is out for the season. So you have, you know, uh, Whitehead, who used, I believe, was with 
Detroit for some time. Sort of this hodgepodge of defensive players. But to your point that you originally made, even though they don't have a lot of takeaways, they don't have a lot of sacks, they're playing good collective team football right now, and that's what kept them in that game against Chicago. I'm really curious, though, when you get a quarterback the caliber of Aaron Rodgers going into a game like this, yeah. how that stresses them, because I don't know if they've really seen that kind of test yet. Yeah, and that's the interesting part here as we go into the matchup, because we can start talking about what's going on with the Packers offensively. You mentioned Aaron Rodgers, but Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Geronimo Allison, all on the injury report right now for Green Bay. Uh, Valdez-Scantling listed with knee and ankle injuries and Geronimo Allison with chest and concussion protocol. So the Packers have added a veteran receiver in Ryan Grant. They signed him. um, As you mentioned, he started the year this year with Oakland, played the bulk of his career, first four years of his career with Washington, had a really solid year in 2017 when he became a free agent. And then there was a failed physical with Baltimore when he was going to get a big multi-year deal as a free agent. Ended up spending last year with Indianapolis, then started this year with Oakland. Oakland released him before the end of September. Now he's in Green Bay because the Packers, because of the injuries, are are really thin at the position and not really sure who's going to be healthy on Sunday as of as of this moment. Yeah, there stands the reason that Ryan Grant could play in this game for Green Bay yeah. uh, and be asked to actually fill a role. Now, how much you can really expect of him? How many snaps can you give a guy, even though he is 28? and he's in his sixth NFL season, that is a big ask to come in in a four- or five-day notice and actually play in a competitive, meaningful regular season game. That being said, uh, if you look at his history, he's done a little bit of everything in his career. He's a former fifth-round pick in the same draft class that produced Devontae Adams. Those two actually worked out together. They had a a common bond there, a common thread with Keith Williams. Uh, The receiver's coach was at a number of different colleges, including Fresno State and Tulane, where – Grant went. They worked out together this offseason, so they, they had a little bit of a common bond there. He's familiar with Adams. The rest of it he's kind of catching up on. But if you look at his career, his best season in 2017, the season that almost got him a big contract from Baltimore, they used him everywhere. He played the slot. He played outside. Even though he's six foot 185, he tends to slant more towards being a boundary you know, perimeter receiver, but yeah. he does give you that flexibility. The big thing I'm just curious to see is how quickly he can pick this thing up and contribute because our first injury report, again, this is before we get to Thursday's practice, but Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Geronimo Allison currently in the concussion protocol, none of those three guys listed as the starters were actually on the practice field. So now you're looking at Alan Lazard, you're looking at Jay Kumaro and Darius Shepard, and now mixing in Grant into that equation. Yeah, this Keith Williams connection is really interesting because because Keith Williams was James Jones' receivers coach yep. at San Jose State. Right. Then he was he coached Devontae Adams in college. He coached Ryan Grant in college. Kind of amazing how it becomes such a small world sometimes in the NFL with these connections. Yeah, and you know the other thing too, I remember talking a number of years ago, uh, and I'm going to forget the gentleman's name, but the guy who was the position coach for HaHa Clinton Dix, uh, he was already at Louisville at that time. If he would have still been at Alabama, I wouldn't have been able to talk to him. Uh, <laughs> that's another story for another day. But he, I remember some of these coaches, um, even uh, the offensive line coach the Packers had as an assistant a number of years ago, these guys will go two years, some cases where they don't stay in the same spot. Uh, it's just constant motion. Yeah. And it creates these sort of 
you know, stepbrothership sort of, you could say, in where a guy knows a guy that knows a guy, and suddenly those two players get brought together. So it's an interesting story. Grant, very, you know, excited to be in Green Bay now. He had a tryout last week with the team, um, and, you know, he hoped that it kind of would lead to this. And now for him, being out of work for a month, being down in Texas, uh, a real opportunity for him to get his career back afloat um, as he looks to take that next step forward. Yeah, all right. Well, quickly, some sponsor business here, Wes. Select Cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering, catering, or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you when you order online at CousinSubs.com. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. What's your take here, Wes, on just how this perimeter group is going to shake out for Green Bay come Sunday? You mentioned there's Alan Lazard, who came on the scene in a big way, obviously, and helped the Packers win on Monday. There's Jake Kumaro. There's Darius Shepard, the undrafted rookie, who will be looking to bounce back from a rough game. Robert Tanyan, who missed the last game with a hip injury after he was injured in Dallas, he's was estimated as a limited participant in practice so we'll see um here in thursday's practice uh how much he's doing we saw mercedes lewis get two catches for 50 yards jimmy graham obviously had opportunities for a couple plays that didn't work out then did make a big catch to uh, move the chains for a big first down late in the fourth quarter it just seems like the way things are going that the more Aaron Rodgers can continue to spread the ball around right. right now and not necessarily try to zero in on one guy. It's what's keeping this Packers offense effective. I actually counted it up. Not only has Rodgers completed passes when you count the backs, the tight ends, and the receivers, completed passes to nine different players in each of the last two games. It's actually a total of 12 different players over the course of two games that have caught a pass from Aaron Rodgers here. That seems to be what's keeping things at least you know manageably efficient for this offense with uh, some of the big guns so to speak offensively on the sidelines you go back to a final thoughts that you and I had done I want to say it was after the Philadelphia game going into Dallas and I said one of my big keys for that victory against going up against Dallas was Aaron Rodgers uh, because you knew you weren't going to have Devontae Adams. You had a pretty good idea you weren't going to have Jamal Williams, even though he looked, for all intents and purposes, okay. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers needed to be at his best. I would argue these last two weeks Aaron Rodgers has been at his best. And I know there was some things written. There was some more mumbo-jumbo type sabermetrics that were brought up to say otherwise, but you can't look at his 90 passer rating in that contest last Sunday and actually think that that was a reflection of how he performed. Matt LaFleur said it himself. There were six drop passes. Two of those could have been touchdowns. Yep. The way that Rodgers rallied back, I led an insider inbox with this this week. They followed his lead. They followed his energy. And, I, again, as John Gruden even pointed out, he loves statistics. He doesn't care about all these other weird statistics that happen. He looks at wins. He looks at what the threat is that a player possesses, and that threat is still very much there with AR-12. Well, I totally agree with you, and it was interesting. I got a great question that I posted in this morning's Insider Inbox column from a fan asking, when was the last time Aaron Rodgers threw an interception that didn't bounce off of his own receiver? And I stopped and thought about it, and I went back and looked just to make sure. And you actually have to go back to the Carolina game in, seven, in 2017 when yeah. Rodgers had come back from the broken collarbone, ended up being only a one-game return because the Packers lost the game. But that was the last time he threw an interception that actually didn't bounce off of his own receiver. And 
those some of those opportunities obviously have gotten away from Green Bay here in the last couple of weeks. But I'm with you, Wes. I, the, what Rodgers is doing, it he brought up the game in 2016 when the Packers went down to Atlanta and they were banged up on the perimeter. And in that game, Geronimo Allison, Trevor Davis, and Jeff Janis all got their first NFL right. touchdowns yeah. in that game. Um, I remember the 2015, obviously, playoff game out in Arizona where Devontae Adams was out, Randall Cobb went out in the first quarter after making a great diving catch but bruising his lung the way he landed with the, the mic'd up microphone thing that was, uh, that was on his back. And Rodgers almost won a playoff game with James Jones, Jared Aberderis, and Jeff Janis as his three wide receivers. Sometimes it's these situations that bring out the best in the guy, yeah. you know. And and so, no matter what the perimeter group is, you know, you just can't you just can't count this guy out because if there's a way, he's probably going to find it. Yeah, and I look at this matchup against Oakland. You have to be creative. Nathaniel Hackett, Matt Lafleur, Aaron Rodgers, Luke Getzey. They need to be creative again, depending on how this sorts out. Because even if let's say one, two, or any of those starting receivers can play, you're going to have to be mindful because Geronimo Allison didn't just have the concussion; he also had the chest injury. Marcos Valdez-Scantling is dealing with an ankle and a knee yeah, right now. Yeah, two, two things listed on the injury report. And certainly Devontae Adams' uh, injury is no laughing matter with, with the turf toe. So the fact of the matter is is that you need to be creative. I felt like he was last week. Two big catches to, Mar- to Mercedes Lewis. You know, finding Alan Lazard, you know, helping this guy that had played 21 snaps the entire season make the most out of his 17 in that game with five targets, four catches. 65 yards and a touchdown and then let's I'd be remiss not to say when you don't have your resources at receiver look at what the Oakland Raiders are going through right now yeah you need to have a ground game and the Packers very much have that and it's a two-headed monster it's never going to please fantasy football owners but last week that game needed to get into the hands of Jamal Williams he stepped up to it it could very easily be Aaron Jones this Sunday but either way they have two guys that they feel confident about in as every down backs that you can turn to when maybe your star perimeter receivers aren't available. Yeah, and it's using those running backs in the passing game both with some designed passes and then also using them as check down options to keep the chains moving at times if that's what it takes. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I mean, Danny Vitale fits into that as well. It's it's the, the prototype, the way that this thing, the blueprint that Matt LaFleur draws it up. He wants to be able to threaten you in, other, in multiple ways, because the course of a season in 16 games, Mike, you're going to have to make alterations and adjustments. The Packers did that the last two weeks, and they came out with two big victories. Yeah, all right. Well, with that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. You can subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.